Commissioners meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public meetings. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meetings live on our Queen Anne's County website at qac.org live or on our television channel, Breezeline Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. Citizens may also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting by going to qac.org public comment Citizens may also email comments to publiccomment at qac.org. Comments received will be read during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. We acknowledge everyone's participation, and by attending, you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, please sign the sheet on the information table in our lobby. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for our commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Chris Corcorino. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You could remain standing for a moment. With Fourth of July coming up, I want to take a moment to remember all of those who sacrificed their lives so we could celebrate on the Fourth of July. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, that brings us to the approval of today's agenda for our meeting on June the 28th. Closed session. I was going to do the okay. Do this first, if that's okay. Um, the uh, regular and closed session minutes from our June 14th meeting, along with our roads board meeting minutes uh, from June 14th have been circulated for review. Do we have any additions and or corrections? Yeah, motion to amend the uh, agenda for this evening, uh, adding an additional three action items. Steve, can I get a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Mm -hmm. uh, motion to approve the agenda as amended and approve all minutes as submitted. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Thank you, commissioners. So we just held a closed session uh, under general provisions article sections 3305B1 to discuss boards and commissions. And I believe we do have some appointments to make for the new police accountability board. Sir. You got that. Oh, I have to do it. Let me do it. I'll do it. Do we have to call out the chair? Yes. Okay. We have a chairperson and six members for the... State the term or just the names? Uh, you can just do the names for now. It's great. Yep, you have Okay. I move to appoint as chair... Boy. Where did I Carl Milligan. Carl Milligan, thank you. Second. Uh, I'm not done yet. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Carl Milligan is chair of the uh, Police Accountability Board, effective July tw 1, 2022, and appoint Douglas Womack, Bernie Sandusky, Willie Comages, Janet Pauls, James West Thompson III, and Connie Loreo. Thank you. Uh, as members of the board for a four year term, effective July 1, 2022. 
Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, four zero, one absent. There we go. All right, thank you, commissioners. That brings us to our first uh, press and public comment period. Um, Nobody signed up. Okay, we can dispense with press and public comment. That brings us to the uh, new business for this evening. We have the Department of Public Works. So uh, I think they have a couple of items here this evening. Presentation uh, first, huh? Oh, excuse me. You're right. Thank you, Commissioner. Getting ahead of myself. First, we have our presentations. If you want to turn to tab number six. And we have Midshore Behavioral Health. We have Catherine. Come on up. Dilly, come on up. Uh, please introduce your, your guest this evening. And we have your update. Good evening. Um, Good evening. Nice to see you all. I'm pleased to introduce Sarah Fegan, who is our, uh, one of our newest team members, who is a child and adolescent and young adult behavioral health coordinator and also representing Queen Anne's County. So I, I like to invite whoever your behavioral health coordinator represented is for the county every year to do our presentation. So um, Audra has Audra Shabanye, who's historically presented with me, is still with us. We've just got a second child and adolescent coordinator now, given just the demand and, and the sheer need for that population. So we're excited to have you. Welcome. Nice Welcome. to meet everybody. Yeah. And so thank you all again for having us for our annual just check-in and update out of Mitchell Behavioral Health. My name is Katie Dilley, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Executive Director at Mitchell Behavioral Health. Um, this is our annual presentation with just some updates of overall organization and Midshore um, highlights from the year. And then we do have some Queen Anne's County specific updates that we'll be providing you along with some data um, for individuals served in the county over the last couple of years. Um, we do um, ask that uh, hopefully at the conclusion of the presentation that you all will endorse us to serve as your core service agency for fiscal year 23. So I believe that that's included in our packet. Thanks, Margie, um, for this evening. So we, we appreciate your endorsement. And of course, if there are any questions or areas for follow-up, we're always happy to come back and also follow up if there are any things that pieces of information we may not have for you today. So uh, we like to just do a little reminder every time we present of our mission and vision as an organization. So our mission at Midshore Behavioral Health is to continually improve the provision of behavioral health services for the residents of Caroline, Dorchester, Kent, Queen Anne's, and Talbot counties. Our effective coordination of care and collaboration with our consumers, their natural support systems, our providers, and our community members at large. The vision of Midshore Behavioral Health is a rural behavioral health care delivery system that is both clinically and culturally competent, that is, will serve and ensure access to have a community focus, be cost effective, and be integrated to serve the community as a whole. So in your packet tonight, um, we have a snapshot of all of the programs and services that are served and available here in the county. Um, but a couple things just to bring your attention to, we are continuing to work very closely with the five Midshore local behavioral, local health departments and their local addictions authority leadership. So we um, continue to do our annual planning and have done so since fiscal year 21 with uh, Maggie Thomas and her leadership of the LEA here in Queen Anne's County. 
under um, the leadership of Dr. Siatola and his endorsement for us to plan together. So I think for the last couple of years, I've offered that Maggie and I would both be willing to come and do a joint presentation if you all are interested in that. A um, couple of specific highlights. We uh, continue to work um, on expanding our crisis response system here on the Eastern Shore. So Midshore has the pleasure of um, managing the crisis response system, not just for the five counties here in the Midshore, but on, on behalf of all nine counties on the Eastern Shore um, through offering our mobile crisis teams as well as our 24-7 um, Eastern Shore Operations Center, which is our hotline and resource and referral center and urgent care line to get folks quick access to help. Um, we're excited to announce that um, in the coming year, we will be adding a new layer of software to that organization, which is served by affiliated Sante Group. They are the vendor for our crisis response services here on the shore um, called the Care Traffic Control Model. So it's an enhanced model of uh, collaboration, essentially um, providing uh, an opportunity for our provider network as well as our hospital networks in the region um, to sign on and, and do real-time capacity for appointments and bed availability if folks need to get into treatment quickly as well as be able to dispatch our mobile crisis teams that are out in the field and available and ready and in the closest proximity to the crisis um, to be dispatched quickly so it's kind of an enhanced model of how we're managing our response system on a whole. Um, and we are the second group in the state that's been awarded that opportunity to do so. So there's a project out of Baltimore right now that's doing that and the shore has been identified as the second pilot site. So we're really excited to bring that over here and hopefully have some success stories to report next year on how that program's going with the enhanced uh, software capacity. Sarah's gonna talk a little bit in her Queen Anne's County specific highlights report on our child and adolescent crisis expansion, we are looking to and have been expanding our mobile crisis response system for our, our younger population um, with a more refined um, sort of holistic crisis team approach that does engage our um, educators, Department of Social <coughs> Services, and different organizations that are serving our young adults and, and youth in the community. So we're actively expanding those programs and Queen Anne's County is one of our first expansion sites. Um, but Sarah has a little bit more information that she'll share on that in a moment. Um, as you know, um, several of you were uh, joined um, the presentation yesterday up at the AF Witsit Center. Uh, that is one of the facilities that we extend additional grant dollars to out of our state opioid response grant. So we fund um, several projects here on the shore with those funds and have just applied for another two-year round of funding. Um, but in particular, we do fund 12 beds for crisis services for substance use up at the Witsit Center, which I know serves quite a few um, individuals that reside here in uh, Queen Anne's County. And we certainly appreciate your support of sustainability planning um, that we hope we'll be able to do uh, and overcome some of the obstacles with the master facilities plan that's been presented. Uh, we also have been able to bring up in the last three years, we've uh, gone from no safe station sites on the Eastern Shore to establishing five um, through the state opioid response grant. So the closest in proximity is in Denton, which was established last spring. 
um, actually at the, the Sheriff's Department in, um, in Denton. So we have a partnership with them to host the safe station site. Uh, we were able to bring in the first recovery house um, into Queen Anne's County through the Oxford House initiative that was originally funded under the state opioid response dollars. And we have since moved that group off of that grant into fee for service. So they are serving the community here. Um, we've been working to pilot and bring up uh, assisted living initiative. So we're working with an assisted living provider out of Cecil County that's taking referrals from the whole shore um, to help individuals that are either aging out of the state hospital or just are presenting with increased um, needs for their activities of daily living um, that are not appropriate to live in a residential rehab setting or in a state hospital setting. So we um, have successfully started that assisted living initiative. It was the first of its kind in the state. Um, and we've been able to replicate that. I know other counties, Wicomico is participating now as, as well as Anne Arundel. And that's gonna be a model that hopefully is available across the state where uh, the Behavioral Health Administration is actually funding those individuals to reside in assisted livings. Cause you know, that's typically an out of pocket expense. An exciting initiative that we've been working on since August of 2020 is um, out of Midshore, we've been uh, the administrator and the facilitator of what we call our Bay Bridge Partnership. So I know we talked about this a little last year, but the incidents that occurred on the bridge in late August of 2020 that were very visible and longstanding with a gentleman that was trying to take his <coughs> life on the bridge got a lot of attention in the media. Um, and for the first time we had partners and, and different stakeholders actually reach into our office and ask what we as a core service agency were doing to prevent the incidents on the bridge. It was a pretty, pretty heavy ask, right, of uh, getting involved and having a handle on that. Um, but out of that request and, and in reach, we have developed a very strong partnership with um, stakeholders that serve the bridge from Queen Anne's County and the Eastern Shore side of things with our crisis response, as well as our Anne Arundel side of the bridge and their, east, their provider um, for crisis response and law enforcement, as well as the Maryland Department of Transportation Authority Police, um, the Governor's Office for Crime Control. We've got representatives now from the Maryland Hospital Association, so we have leadership from both hospital systems, the Anne Arundel system, as well as the, the shore regional system serving on that partnership to look at how we can really um, be responding more intentionally and getting ahead of folks that are um, winding up on the bridge and also doing a lot more focused follow-up with their support partners, um, those individuals. And we're, we're currently working on developing a pilot procedure to where we can work more um, in partnership with the hospital systems that serve those individuals in crisis to follow them once they're released back into the community. So I know that crisis isn't the way to always, you know, serve individuals, but unfortunately, um, sometimes it's the only opportunity we can to, to be engaged and integrate some help. So of course, we'd like to get ahead of it before someone finds themselves in that position. But I think through this partnership, we are also supporting the state with helping to model best um, practices with how individuals are served and breaking down some lines of uh, jurisdictional response to where we can actually have 
cross county responses as opposed to things stopping at the county line. So all of that's being looked at. We've actually been invited, um, a couple of us from the partnership to present this summer at the Crisis Intervention International Conference um, to try to use this model of just real true co collaboration um, as a best practice for community responses to, as we call them, crisis hotspots. Um, so it's a really exciting opportunity to use a tragedy and try to turn it into a solution. Um, so we're very, very excited about that. One of the last things I'll share before Sarah reports out is we also are looking at how we can serve our farming community um, more purposefully. They are definitely a unique population that um, is a, a lot more challenging sometimes to um, break down barriers of stigma to bring them in to realize that everybody, you know, can benefit from getting help sometimes. So this past year, we used some grant dollars that we had acquired early into COVID, and it took a really long time to get this off the ground, but we did a couple of um, wellness initiatives with the farming population where we offered opportunities for education for their continuing education credits for their farming um, activities, and then coupled it with some mental health presentations on wellness and different resources in the community. So it was sort of a a nice way to integrate that type of presentation and also offer some opportunities for them to get some education at the same time that they need to have. Um, but we're looking to see how we can replicate that activity and do it more across the region. Um, we just have to go after some more grant dollars for that, but we will. Um, so those are some of the bigger highlights that we've done this past year since I presented to you um, last summer and Sarah's gonna share some Queen Anne's County specific highlights. Again, hello, I'm Sarah Fagan, Behavioral Health Coordinator, Children, Adolescents, and Young Adults. And yes, I am going to go into the specifics for Queen Anne's County. So Mitchell Behavioral Health is going to continue supporting Crossroads Community um, with their Healthy Transitions Program. And it is now on year four or five of the SAMHSA grant. The program serves youth um, ages 16 to 25 who all have serious mental health conditions, and um, the goal is to provide transitional aged youth programming. And this includes things like supported employment, supported education, social skills groups, et cetera. And the program is youth excuse me, youth driven, strength based, developmentally sensitive, non-stigmatizing and culturally competent. And as Katie was um, talking about earlier, the affiliated Sante mobile crisis response um, will be expanding into Queen Anne's and Kent County. This program is going to provide a dedicated team and it'll be out of uh, Centerville office to specifically serve youth and their families in responding to crisis and providing stability, so, ugh, stability, stability, Stabilizing. thank you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I could okay. knock that word out. Oh my gosh. You're good. Um, tools as they work with their family for eight weeks, but it may be longer than that, which would depend on how quickly they could get them into services. Cause I know sometimes there's longer wait lists at certain facilities. Mm -hmm. The team is going to include a clinician and a family support, family peer support person, which is new. Um, the goal is to intervene before the crisis and to break the cycle of crisis with the youth and just to provide the family with tools. Uh, Mitchell Behavioral Health Executive Director serves as the Queen Anne's County Local Management Board Treasurer 2019 to present. Uh, Mitchell Behavioral Health also works closely in collaboration with Queen Anne's County Local Addictions Authority leadership with planning and monitoring behavioral health providers and system needs in the county. 
So now I'm going to go into some data. So as the core service agency, we have access to the data of the individuals who um, were served in the public behavioral health system. So basically Medicaid recipients um, who are utilizing different services. Uh, the first part that I'm going to report out on is the mental health data. So for fiscal year 2020 in Queen Anne's County, the total number of mental health consumers served was 1,506. And then in fiscal year 21, it dropped down to 1,260, which may have been due to COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and we also have data on half of fiscal year 22, which was uh, through 1231. And within that half of the year, uh, they served about um, 897. Um, and that, I guess you were saying, that it seems like it would be an increase since yeah, that's all that we projected to increase. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then also we have data on um, the substance use. So for fiscal year 2020, or yeah, 2020, there was 900 um, consumers served and fiscal year 21, it was 723. And then again, we have ha data for half of fiscal year 22 and that was uh, 460. And then we've also included, um, and this is something new we've included the last couple of years that we've presented, is just a snapshot of our, our incoming grant dollars. So you can see we've increased pretty significantly and doubled um, since FY19 and our responsibility with um, our fiscal oversight and we're projected to um, almost triple that in the next coming year with the grant dollars coming in. So um, it's significant. Um, which, which is good. The resources have continued to be available to support um, the community. It's still not enough resources, right? No. Workforces. So Workforce is our biggest resource issue. We have a lot of money coming in. Like Sarah mentioned, the expansion of the mobile response um, and stabilization service program. It's, I just got word this afternoon before coming um, to the presentation that we've been endorsed for another $1.2 million for that activity in 23 alone um it's finding the staff to do it and it's just a really big challenge you know is it competition from outside the eastern shore or just in general is it just not enough it's just in general in you know i think we've really advocated to be more competitive on the shore and support our sub vendors with offering competitive compensation especially for some of these um newer grant dollars we've been very intentional with writing in what so that we get paid potentially if they were looking for this position on the Western Shore. So we've had a lot of support from the administration around that. So, um, but it's just the sheer um, need for, for staff. Um, and that's not an, an issue unique to the Eastern Shore, but I think we see it here, especially in our community, more than you know a suburb um, area. But so it is an issue. I have a question, I mean, which seems, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it seems uh, under your total number of mental health consumers served, if you take FY21, Caroline and Talbot County, mm -hmm. and their population combined is still less than ours, but they're three times the amount of mental health visits. I mean, is there? Well, this so this data, just to make sure, this is um, capturing individuals that have access to utilizing their Medicaid um, benefits to access mental health and substance use services. So we don't get any data for private carriers or or individuals that self-pay. So statistically, the um, the eligibility rate in Queen Anne's County is lower for 
our Medicaid population. So we have less Medicaid eligible individuals living in the county than somewhere like Dorchester or Carolina. Well, I'm, I'm just referring to Carolina Talbot, and I just three times the amount. Wow. Okay. And you know, it's interesting. Um, th this is data that does capture folks that reside in the county. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, it is something we've looked at before. Queen Anne's County, their penetration rate for utilizing their benefits is one of the lower out of the five of the Midshore counties. Mm -hmm. So really looking at how we get out ahead of promoting what's available is, is something that we've been looking at. But um, you also have lower numbers just because you don't have as many eligible individuals that live in your community. Whereas Dorchester County is probably one of the highest Medicaid eligibility eligible counties in the state of Maryland. So um, we still have the same issue with just getting folks out to access the services they're entitled to. Mm -hmm. that's, um, that's a consistent issue. Mm. And unfortunately, that's why we spend a lot of time planning around crisis response because uh -huh. the time that you'll end up seeing those folks needed. Right. Mm -hmm. And those those numbers aren't <coughs> captured here. So these are folks that have actually been served in the fee-for-service structure. So like an outpatient setting or someone going to residential treatment. So if I'm in crisis, you're not gonna see that number here, but we do have all of that data if you're interested in us presenting on that because it's substantial. Yeah, I was gonna say it it's definitely is. It's significant. In order for us to be able to demonstrate the need, we, we've shown some pretty high numbers of folks in our region that find themselves in crisis, unfortunately. Very good. Any other questions? I will make a motion to have uh, President Corcorino sign the uh, FY23 letter of agreement with Midshore Behavioral Health for, to be our core service agency. Second. Got a motion to second. Any uh, discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Four in favor, one absent. Motion carries. <clears throat> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very much, yeah. All right, commissioners, we can move into our new business for this evening. And first we have the Department of Public Works, we have a couple of items for the Roads Board. So if you wish to convene as the Roads Board. Motion to convene as the Roads Board. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Roads. Good evening. Howdy. All right, so first up, uh, if you want to go to tab number two, we have uh, for the Department of Public Works, we have tab two, item one, pages one through seven, a deed of dedication for Coonbox Road. We get a motion on that. I move to execute the deed of dedication for Coon Box Road, lands of Jeremy N. and Nichols B. Davis. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Four in favor, one absent. Right. Thank you. Right. Item two on pages eight through 17 is the uh, replacement of a one crew cab dump truck for the roads division uh, freight liner crew cab with dump body off the state of Maryland or state of Delaware contract uh, for heavy trucks.
pre-established government contract for $203,749.63. That's a big dump truck. That's yes. a big I moved to purchase one Freightliner crew cab with dump body from Freightliner of Delmarva of Delmar, Maryland in the amount of $203,749.63 via the State of Delaware contract GSS22617-HVY underscore trucks. Dragon. Got a motion a second. Any discussion, questions? Yeah, real quick. Um, when was the last time we purchased one this size? Do you know? I would say over five years ago. What we you, we, uh, we kind of moved the fleet away from the large, uh, this is the large six-wheel crew cab right. trucks with a stainless body. Um, uh, years back, we moved to the smaller one-ton trucks for the crews, but we do still keep a complement of five, for each, one for each maintenance crew, and then a spare or two, um, and it's, it's, we need it. I'm just curious what we paid for it back then, just ballpark. We, we budgeted um, about 40 grand, 50 grand less than what this estimate is. We actually programmed two for this year. Um, we backed down to one, and we actually gave up on getting this one, but somebody actually fell out of the queue for ordering, so they offered it to us, so that's why we're here last minute in the fiscal year. I, I mean, I guess the point I'm making, I'm sure all my commissioners can understand where I'm going with this, is, you know, I, I know we have a couple more vehicles getting purchased tonight. We really got to look. If we're paying 30% more than we did two years ago for a vehicle, I think we're going to have to... Uh, look at where the trend's going in terms of yeah. pricing and be a little bit more, at least till we get through this uh, inflationary time, which could be up to a year, I guess, um, to be responsible to look and say, look, we can't pay 30% more than we did two years ago for the same vehicle. It, just, it has been quite a few years. Right, I, I get it on this one. I'm just, I'm just saying in general, I know we've purchased a lot of trucks in the last couple of years and definitely the prices are more right now. And attached is the spreadsheet for what yeah. we've purchased this year, and you can see some of the, the budget items and how much more the increases were for yeah. those particular items. I was items. looking at the yes. one you did for this one, yeah. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It's a general note for all the departments that are coming in asking for vehicles to, mm -hmm. you know. Yes. That's all I got. All right. Any other questions? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Four in favor, one absent. Motion carries. All right, so thank the moral you of that story was you could have bought two of them for what you bought one for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, haven't gone up quite that much yet, thank goodness, but yeah. Uh, that's all we had for the roads board. So um, the next item is for the uh, Board of County Commissioners. And this is under tab number three, actually. And this is uh, item one, pages one through five. And this is a resolution number 2209 for uh, the acceptance of common law dedication of rights of ways in the community of Kentmore. I move to adopt and execute the resolution to accept the dedication of two roadway street beds within the Kentmore subdivision shown as Kent Avenue and Chesapeake Avenue from Orchard Street to Azalea Street for the sole purpose of providing public sewer service to certain existing and platted residential lots. And Mr. Mom will explain what the hell this is about. Second. Got a motion to second. The explanation for uh, Commissioner Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this resolution actually provides uh, the acceptance of those rights of ways which were never, there's no roads there, they're paper rights of ways and they're still owned by technically um, uh, Quinn Homes and Associates. So we are accepting these dedications from the 1954 plat, which were offered at that point in time, for the sole purpose of extending uh, public sewer lines in those within those roadbeds to the 
service areas that have been established as a result of the the uh, Southern Kent Island Sanitary Project Phase Three. And we're obligated to do that. We are. We are. I guess you got to recognize before you can put the utility in there. This has nothing to do with redoing the roads. Right. Right. This mm -hmm. is just so you can put the utilities in there. Just utilities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically, it'll stay a paper road with mm -hmm. utilities. With utility, it's just a right of way. We want to put public utilities in those rights of ways. This is just a. a a legal mechanism to, to do that to be hmm. safeguarded. Kent Avenue is a paper right away. Chesapeake is an other public road. Okay. Any other questions? All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Four in favor. One absent. Motion okay. passes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. That's all we have for the Department of Public Works today. Oh, good. 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 Any updates on uh, Southersville sewer system? Barkley. Yes, Barkley. We're very close, finally, after entirely too long to put the bids on the street. Okay, so... It is moving at a snail's pace, but uh -huh. it is moving. Okay. Any timeline you want to guess nope. at? Okay. I don't nope. My timeline would have been, it's been constructed by now. So. What's the holdup? Is it COVID, the state? Uh, I'd rather not say. <laughs> All right. Neither of those two. No. Neither of those two? The state okay. and the feds have been very uh, patient. Okay. Good. Um, Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's a complicated project when you're involving two separate municipalities. Understood. We're yeah, helping them. The funding yeah. was, you know, challenged, but we do have adequate dollars and grants, and there's been a lot of, lot of challenges on this. We may also. have adequate dollars, yes. Yeah. Well, depending on how the bids come in, right? And, you know, well, bids are a little higher right now. But, but you haven't put it out to bid yet? Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But it's not the county or the feds or the state or the town's fault. You can figure out the rest. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Running out of people. <laughs> <laughs> it's the pipe's fault. <laughs> Who are we going to hang? <laughs> All right. Our next item is uh, item number <coughs> two, pages six and seven. And this is for. Um, uh, equipment purchases for the Public Landings Division, a new Chevy 2500 pickup truck. Oh, oh off back of, uh, the pickup truck business. Yeah, 2023 Here. Chevy Silverado extended cab truck from Hertrick Fleet Services off of the Maryland statewide contract. I get a motion on that, please. I got the right one here. I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation's Public Landings Division to purchase a two, 2023 Chevy Silverado trucks from Heritrick Fleet Service Incorporated in Milford, Delaware for $39,918. Funding to come from the public landings operating account for auto vehicles of $27,000 and public landings prior year fund balance of $12,918. Second. All right. Motion to second. Any discussion on that one? Just Same disclaimer. <laughs> I'm just not a Chevy guy. You want to mix it? Did you, honestly, do you remember what we paid for last one we got? In that well, actually, um, as a matter of fact, we do. Um, we looked at it from last year um, to this year. The price went up about $14,000. So ah, you came prepared tonight. <laughs> can't do that, Because I got a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> as long as costs are not going to come down, right? Correct. Once their materials come down, they're going to keep the price up. Absolutely. Keep profit. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that doesn't make good economic sense, but... Well, if you think that truck's going to go for forty thousand dollars three years from now, I would beg to differ with you, honestly. But 
We'll see. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Reluctantly, aye. I don't know Three eyes, one reluctant eye, no. <laughs> <laughs> one not here. Motion carries. You're lucky Phil's not here. I know why you brought him in tonight too. That's right. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Don't my back. All right. Item three on pages eight and nine is a capital equipment purchase for the Parks Department. Another uh, Chevy 2500. This is for actually two 2023 uh, 2500s with the V8 uh, extended cab truck. Same. Contract with Hertrich uh, Fleet Services for $99,150 for two. Two this time. Two this time. I move to authorize Department of Parks and Recreation to purchase two 2023 Chevy Silverado trucks from Hertrich Fleet Services in Milford, Delaware for $99,000. Funding to come from the Department of Parks and Recreation capital equipment budget. Second. Motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Motion carries. There's another one. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. One more. This is a Ford. This is for the oh, no. Parks Department as well. Parks and Recreation is a Ford F-350 requesting a 2021 used Ford F-350 crew cab plumber's utility truck with about just under 8,000 miles on it from Apple Ford in Columbia. And this is to replace one that just was taken out of service because of safety concerns. Tell the truth. You got everybody taking a vehicle home, don't you? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. no I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to purchase a used 2021 Ford F-350 crew cab 4x4 plumber's utility truck from Apple Ford in Columbia, Maryland for $66,650. Funding to come from the Department of Parks and Recreation's capital equipment budget. So you, you is this a, Most what is a plumber's, what the hell is that? We looked at a new one, a new one was about $82,000, so. So based on what you figured when you budgeted some of your capital, uh, truck expenses early on, right. you're going to come up short, I would assume, of what on everything. you had planned systemically to replace. Yeah. yeah. So, and also because of this surprise um, deadline vehicle, you know, we've had to remove something out of our um, planned purchases. Gotcha. Any other questions? Mm -hmm. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay. Four in favor? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Director Chanley. All right, moving on. Item number five on pages 13 and 14. This is a, a grant support letter on behalf of the Stories of the Chesapeake via Eastern Shore Heritage. They're applying for Maryland Heritage Areas Authority uh, to their authority for an FY23 management grant in the amount of $52,833 and a small block grant of $25,000. I move to execute the letter of support for Eastern Shore Heritage Incorporated to apply for a grant with Maryland Heritage Areas Authority. Second. Motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Four in favor, one absent. Motion carries. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number six on pages 15 through 22. Um, on July 1st of each year, um, the residential development impact fee is automatically adjusted to account for inflationary increases in the construction costs. Our county code establishes the utilization of the um, ENR, Engineering News Record, Construction Cost Index for this inflationary adjustment. 
This year's adjustment was 8.2%, and those um, documents are in your packet. Um, this increase is automatic every year, July 1st. However, commissioners can waive that or adjust that for any given fiscal year. Uh, for example, last year, the rate was 5.9%, and we, this board reduced it to 3% for fiscal 22. So your options are take no action, it goes up by 8.2%, or set it at another rate as low as zero. Personally, with the, to be consistent with what we were able to do with the tax break and all that, I'd say for this year with how things are going, I, I'm fine with zero. Are you going to make a motion today? I will make a motion that we set the impact fee uh, escalator at zero percent for fiscal year 23. 22. 23. 23. 22 was off. Oh. Tell. Oh. Second. Got a motion to second? <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. Steve has got some comment. Mr. Wilson. So in two years, we will have knocked off 10% of a fee that I think there's a purpose for. Do you? So why? Why? Hold that thought. You mind coming up here? Since you are the uh, sole keeper of the funds, per se. Per se. Uh, are we hurting you and your operations in any way by holding this coming year at zero percent? So let me just clarify for anyone who is listening online or elsewhere that um, setting a zero percent increase will keep that rate static at where it currently is. Um, so we will still be collecting an impact fee, that impact fee um, though it's static, is currently filling the, filling the needs. Um, and I would add, so staff had recommended just a consistent action uh, since we reduced the increase by accepting a rate that was below the average in the last fiscal cycle at 3%. Keeping that same rate at 3% keeps us at a status quo. At 0%, you see that the breakdown in terms of cost per, uh, uh, per square foot is relatively similar. It's about a um, 15 cent difference for the public schools per square foot. It's about a two, two less than well, two cent difference for the fire uh, companies, two cents for parks and rec. So it's not an enormous differentiation between those two rates. Um, what we had agreed to do when we last met and discussed this um, topic, and in light of the, and you saw that um, the rates of adjustment in the last two years really far exceed what we have historically seen. Um, and last year when we saw the increase, what we, and you asked us to do, 
And what we agreed to do was to undertake an impact fee study. And we have begun that study. It was a little derailed with our comprehensive plan update, which we had thought was going to be completed a little sooner than it was. Uh, but we did begin that study in earnest, and we continue to um, look at our uh, debt service reduction and uh, other options, and in terms of other items that may be included in our uh, impact fees or even an excise tax. So what we would like to do is consider uh, continue with that study and come back and have a more full-bodied conversation uh, with an updated impact fee ordinance. And um, that impact fee ordinance can also be better informed by the completion of our comp plan and the new housing study, which has a lot of good data. So those are my two cents. And there is a two cents difference between <laughs> some of those categories, <laughs> between a 3% and a 0%. But the short answer is there isn't an enormous impact uh, to the functioning of the department or of the agencies who receive the uh, results of our collection of fees. So one of the interesting facts of the Im in impact fee is what it's allocated for. And it seems to me that I've always been struck by the fact that a big bite of it goes to schools as though that was more of an impact than, for instance, sewers or infrastructure of some sort. So I think the idea of looking at the fee without knowing why it's, I think the allocation of it should be looked at yeah. because I, I think Centerville's in a disaster over its, mm -hmm. you know. I, so I, yeah, I agree with you 100% because we have changed since this was structured and how yeah, it's allocated right. and what the needs were. So we yeah. need to get up with the times to see so, what are the new needs. What are the needs? So right. if it, it was, to be applied to school, I would agree with you, but recognizing that I think it's misapplied, I just wonder if we ought to table this until we figure out what the uses are. We have to do something or it's going to go up 8.2%. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm good with flat, but I do think that the corollary to that. Uh, I mean, that could be, it's, it's, uh, the feeling on the board is, is everybody, you know, if the zero is good, that's fine. If, if we need to compromise it too, I'm willing to do that. I'm just not, I'm no way voting for 8.2%. I'm not going to let it get to that, so. Well, their but. suggestion was 3%, so, you know. And that's partially based on the, you see the five-year averages, and 3% is within uh, it's consistent with your decision last year. It's within the general average that we've seen over um, the last cycles, the last many cycles, the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And we are going to be able to get this study looked at. And, yes, yes, and I was going to say, and the last time this, the impact fee was studied was 2006 and 2007. So that plan wrapped up in 2007. And you're right, there's a need to reevaluate. And that's what we are in the middle of doing it. We just haven't completed. And I apologize for that. It would have been nice to have had it done before we saw this Sorry. steep increase. And, and, and that reassessment contemplates <clears throat> diversion of uses or a different usage pattern, not just the revenue yep. side of it. It does, because it does. Uh, we're also looking at excise taxes, um, which would give the county a little more flexibility. We're looking at the full panoply 
No, I think I'm, I'm we don't good. have all the tools in our toolbox right now. Right, it's basically what we're down to, you know. So, all right. So we're gonna vote on zero, or we're gonna amend it to another number. We got a motion, and you got a second. So, all in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? There you go. Zero. It is. I'll let Vivian know. She's patiently waiting to print out the new schedule. Yeah. It's the same fee schedule. That's right. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same. Perfect. Well, we have Save to dust it off and put the new date on it. Put a new date on it. New year on there. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you very much. All right, commissioners, we have three desk items to finish up our new business this evening. Number one is, um, and we've seen this a couple of times, this is an amended letter of support for the matching funds commitment for the ferry feasibility study. This is a very popular uh, initiative. We've had additional counties join the coalition, and as a result, our commitment has been reduced from 25,000 to 18,333, and they'd like a new support letter. Steve, you'd like to read that motion? Steve, you want to read that one? Or do you want me to? No, I think I abstained the last couple of times. I motion that we sign the amended support letter to the EDA verifying that Queen Anne's County will fund an equal portion of the matching requirement not to exceed $18,333.33 and that the matches available for the life of the project is unencumbered and is committed specifically to Chesapeake Bay Ferry Feasibility Study and no federal funds are used. You got to second it? Okay. All right, got a motion to second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Any abstain? No, okay. one, one abstention. Okay. One abstention. One absent. Okay. He abstains. He abstains for paying less for the study. We're going to get Stevie on that. <laughs> <fair> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Desk item number two is uh, Proclamation 2238. Commissioner, Commissioner Moran wanted to <coughs> read that. That's one. Ms. Bendit. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Um, this proclamation 22-38 is for Haven Ministries and uh, more importantly, uh, Krista Pettit who after 20 years uh, has, uh, I don't want to say decided to move on, but uh, God's calling her in another direction and, and she's going to take her ministry and, and uh, get closer to home with family and, and do what she does best. So Jack and I both had the privilege of going to the dedication for the Homes of Haven Ministries, Homes of Hope uh, last weekend and we read this proclamation there, but you know, I just thought you know, 20 years of, of someone's life and uh, the good that they can do in a community and when you never hear about them, except for when there's an issue and, and somebody needs help, they're the first person we call. So I want to read this proc proclamation 22-38, whereas over 20 years ago, Krista Pettit was inspired by God and saw the need in Queen Anne's County to create a shelter program that could help so many. This was just the beginning of what is Haven Ministries today. And whereas Krista had a vision and reached out to local individuals, organizations, and churches for support. She created the Queen Anne's County Christian Assistance Organization and Advisory Board to help guide her mission. And whereas in 2003, her dream came to fruition as the first shelter opened at the Graysonville Community Center. Only a few months, after only a few months, a new facility was found and the shelter was moved to Ken Island United Methodist Church, where it still remains and operates today. And whereas with the new shelter location, additional employees and a valuable partnership with Queen Anne's County, she felt the need to do more. In 2009, the State Street home opened for additional clients and ran with great success for five years. And whereas in 2012, Haven Ministries began to offer additional services. The food pantry opened and flourished at Safe Harbor Presbyterian Church and served hundreds of families. 
our Daily Thread thrift store, and later the Hope Warehouse opened as a sustainable income stream as well as providing both clothing and furniture to clients in, in need. And whereas Krista opened a resource center and pantry, food pantry in 2020 located in Queenstown, this storefront facility is available to clients to freely shop for their families in a dignified environment. The resource center offers clients information on employment opportunities, county resources and financial assistance. And whereas Krista's efforts have fed many people before and during the COVID-19 pandemic. During the past few years, these astounding numbers are in 2019, 4,616 people, 2020, 6,827 people, and 2021, 5,334. And I believe this year's count is up over 9,000 just due to inflation in the, in the cost of food. Whereas Krista is committed to helping the less fortunate any way she can, she has grown this organiza organization from just one shelter to offering so many ways to help the homeless and from having a handful of volunteers to paid staff and hundreds of volunteers. And now therefore the Queen Anne's County Commissioners would like to commend Krista Pettit for her dedication, her passion to help others and striving to make her vision a reality to assist the underprivileged in Queen Anne's County. We encourage others in Queen Anne's County to become, to be inspired by her vision, drive and dedication and encourage them to do the same for citizens of the county that are less fortunate. Signed, the Queen Anne's County Commissioners. There now. It's a, a loss to the county. Absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of people who say they want to do things to help out the community, but the unfortunate thing that we find is there's a very small percentage of actual doers who step up and, and take on some tasks like that. That is correct. And um, yes. she, but she's got she she created a good staff. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Chris is running the food pantry and. Uh, you know they, they've got the intake at, at the at the shelter i just think that you know they're on firm ground and she's only a phone call away yeah so no no she that's a good thing she laid the foundation yep okay all right thank you commissioner moran mm -hmm. all right uh lastly desk item number three this is from our queen Anne's county public schools this is their annual budget certification statement for the for their school system and our director of budget and finance has reviewed this certificate and verified all figures match our adopted budget so it's for uh, uh, commissioner corcorino's signature i move to execute the queen anne's county public schools annual budget certification statement second motion a second any discussion all those in favor say aye 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 any opposed any abstain any absent okay one <laughs> absent four in favor all right commissioners that is all of our new business this evening we can move into press and public comments there's none Round table? Round table. You got anything? I have just a couple things. Um, first, uh, wanted to, Todd, I wanted to, when Amy was in here, but I um, wanted to see why uh, our Board of Appeals decisions are not on the website and available. Um, going what? back historically. Board of Appeals. Board of Appeals. Oh, okay. They're not, it, where Planning Commission meeting, you can go back 15 years. Uh, Board of Appeals, it's basically the most recent meeting. I think we need to get them up on the website just like we do for the planning commission for historical uh, purposes yeah there's a lot of people that questions about it and so exactly. the easier it is to point them to it the right better. right um and i was asked that question and said go, go to the website there it is and i was told it's not there so i did the background and it's not there um the other thing is uh so we're, we're not really as far along as i would hope we would be with the online permitting and getting things uh digitized through our permitting department and still receive calls um not as much, but you know, to 
uh, figure out how we can get that going. I talked to Megan. They're not really the, some other issues with rolling out other stuff has kind of put it back. Um, and part of that was going to be basically a customer service survey that would be taken at the time you use the system to pull your permit or submit your plans, whatever the case may be. So we're kind of losing that part of it. What I want to suggest is, and, and we can look into it, and I have uh, actually Heather trying to find out about it, because we, we had talked to someone about it, but getting a, maybe even a third party customer service uh, survey that we could put on the website so that people can give us feedback at the county level on our services, so that if there's improvements can be made, we get a heads up on them before we get phone calls from people. Um, when things go awry because of something simple like when we couldn't take credit cards for permits mm -hmm. and things like that that's a simple fix but if you don't know about it you know we as commissioners don't know about it and, and it's not brought typically they don't yell and scream at the at the people that work at permitting um so i was just curious like i said it was going to be a function of when we get the permitting online it was going to be mm -hmm. you know we were going to hold it in-house basically but i think it might be good to get a third party involved to where they could do it give us and we would be getting constant feedback on the different uh, interactions with the citizens and the uh, uh, government entities so um, that's all I got Commissioner Moran uh, I'm good right. good yeah good. Commissioner Wilson well Commissioner Moran and I were at a meeting yesterday for the salvation of the Witsit Center at <clears throat> Commissioner Moran spoke eloquently on the subject of saving that facility, which is an important thing for, I think, the Eastern Shore in this county. And it is in question. And we need to get our legislative folks, Mariano and company, behind this because it is a great, it's going to be a great disservice to this county if, if it closes. And now a lot of the kids that wind up going up there instead of going to jail wind up pulling time in jail rather than getting mental help, which they need, plus all the rehab, detox, and other services. Mm -hmm. In the jail, we detox people on the floor sometimes. It's a n not the way things should be done, and that facility needs to be supported. All right. Is it? Everybody else? We're good. All right. Um, happy Fourth of July, everybody. Good I'll take a motion to adjourn. So moved. All right. Second. Let's go.